Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive approaches. After two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. A major part of this approach is talking openly about what my grief is like and inviting others to do the same so we don't have to keep it all to ourselves. With this newfound permission to let all the parts of us be here, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about a post uh, that was shared just recently in November of 2022. The title is Mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, is Selfish. Yeah, mourning is selfish, huh? (laughs) Just hearing that sentence should make your stomach turn. Yet, I hear it so often when trying to help others make space for their grief. In the last post, we talked about the word selfish. We challenged our usage of the word and opened to the fact, hopefully, <laughs> that the word selfish actually need not be in our vocabulary at all. If you're utilizing selfishness as an off-ramp to avoid your grief, <laughs> it's understandable. Hashtag no judgment. But let's dig deeper into how this word fits, or doesn't, when used in conjunction with the aftermath of profound loss. As we noted in our last discussion, the word selfish is comprised of two main components. The first is an increased focus on self-concern and pleasure, and the second is that this self-concern is pursued as a priority, even if it means we ignore those around us. A person is considered selfish if he or she is elevating his or her own needs such that they necessarily demote the needs of others. Let's take a look at how this word mourning breaks down. Merriam-Webster defines it as, one, the act of sorrowing. Two, an outward sign, such as black clothes or an armband, of grief for a person's death. And the third, a period of time during which signs of grief are shown. So let's confirm also that we have a working definition for sorrow, since that's part of the definition of mourning. So going further, Merriam-Webster defines sorrow as, one, deep distress, sadness, or regret, especially for the loss of someone or something loved, resultant, unhappy, or unpleasant state, Number two, a cause of grief or sadness. And number three, sorrow, a display of grief or sadness. 
So now that we have some working definitions, let's get back to our statement. Mourning is selfish, period. Mourning, parentheses, deep distress or sadness, is selfish, parentheses, concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself, seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard for others, concerned excessively or exclusively with oneself. In other words, deep distress is concerned with concentrating on one's own advantage, pleasure, or well-being without regard for others. Does this make any logical sense? If there's a part of of mourning that's an advantage or a pleasure, I wish someone would let me know what that is, but it doesn't seem to me that there's any facet of advantage or pleasure to mourning. So the idea that we would do that at the cost of everything else is hard to put my head around. But in the meantime, back to the post. So in all of my efforts to outrun mourning, grief, and sorrow, I'd never stopped to think about the logic behind my commitment to moving on. I just went all lemons into lemonade mode through activities like becoming a pediatric ICU nurse and expanding our family. I just knew doing something for my fractured, bottomless heart would be too selfish. Not. I sincerely believed at my core that I couldn't allow myself to take time to nurture and protect my wounds. There was work to be done, life to be lived, and there were always others who needed my care. I may not have officially thought, quote-unquote, mourning is selfish, but with every breath, I behaved as if it was the law of my new land. And that was my M.O. for 25 years. I concluded in my mind that as long as I could act as if I were still fully functional and of value to others, that eventually I would be. I concluded correctly I did go to nursing school and work as a PICU nurse, and we did expand our family. I did run marathons. I did found and manage a solid consulting practice with lawyers on their cases with medical issues. I did work hard to meet the needs of others, including those of our now 23-year-old gastro-tube-dependent son, Zachary. I did work hard to make birthdays and holidays special for the ones around me. I absolutely did think even if subconsciously, that anything else would just be selfish. Losing someone we love is intrinsically complex. However, we can simplify it if we stop creating fake narratives in our heads. It took me two decades to realize that I was exacerbating the complexity of things further. By flying around untethered, without a sense of self, I maintained and reinforced this foundational belief that mourning is selfish. Who wants to be selfish? This insidious underlying assumption is a total deal-breaker. It can impede growth and evolution that may be required within for us to have any quality of life after someone dies. The inability to grow and evolve is the threat that has inspired me to challenge the song held and misplaced assumption. That's what I'm hoping this conversation may do for someone else as well. Inspire you to challenge any of your deeply held beliefs that are actually just bullshit. 
So now for the challenge. If you are so inclined, make some notes so you can start asking questions about your own grief journey. You may even drop some of your antiquated assumptions. Here are some of the questions I started asking to get me started. Number one, what action have I undertaken or initiated since my daughter and my son Emmanuel died could be described as quote-unquote self-serving or having anything to do with pleasure or advantage? Two, at what moment in time did I concern myself with my own sorrow while ignoring and even stepping on the needs of others? Three, how have I elevated my own needs for mourning such that they obviate my attention and action in the service of others? So the answers are, number one, what actions have I undertaken? None. Number two, what moment in time did I concern myself and forget about everybody? There isn't one. (laughs) And three, how have I elevated my own needs for mourning? I have not. So here's where the challenge is. And I encourage you to do this on your own. What part of my mourning is selfish? And the easy answer is no part. But only you can initiate this process of challenging the known and unknown assumptions that govern and drive your life. Just know that whether or not you're aware of them, these are the mechanics of the mind and they are active. There's nothing easy about the process of opening the hood of the car to see what's happening in the engine. It's not for the faint of heart. In fact, You can pursue this internal investigation for years before it bears any fruit. And this makes it hard to feel like we're even moving in the right quote-unquote direction. It's hard to keep working on something that seems immovable. Looking inward may be the hardest thing we will ever do as humans beyond living without our loved ones. Getting to know our minds can be a scary and intimidating proposition. Profound loss only makes this journey harder. No one gives us a toolkit or rules. No one wants to talk about grief. And we can't effectively find evidence that this is a safe and worthy pursuit from anyone around us because there are no grief gurus to call on. Most of us are trapped in my former MO of believing it would be selfish to even indulge in such inquisition. Plus, Delaying gratification is not our specialty here in the West. If you believe, consciously or unconsciously, that mourning is somehow selfish, I urge you to challenge your conclusion. Maybe your mourning is done for your own pleasure and advantage. Maybe you do elevate the fulfillment of your own needs beyond caring for others. In parentheses, once in your life does not qualify, exclamation point. Maybe you are on some hedonistic survival path that renders you immune to the responsibility of caring for those around you. Or maybe you're like the former version of me. Maybe you just want to do good in the world and don't see a reason to let a few deceased loved ones hinder that progress, meant sarcastically. Maybe denying your grief which equates to denying your love, seems to be the shortest path from awakening to working, eating, showering, and going back to bed where it's safe. Maybe you secretly hope you might not wake up. That would end the morning. Maybe. But if you're like the now me, 
you will begin to open to a new perspective. You will get curious about what these unique life experiences and profound losses are here to teach us. You will wonder if and how that learning can become an avenue to improve our own little corners of the universe, starting with ourselves. You will increase your awareness of reaching for numbing agents like booze, food, and digital addiction. You may even acquire the skills that can help you stop reacting compulsively. You will experiment with ways to create and subsequently pursue different truths over the false one that we've stood on for so long that mourning is selfish. There are no promises in this content, but hopefully you're now aware of some alternative possibilities. Please see that if you shine a light on what you've darkened and ignored for so long, you might just find there's more to your loss than excruciating pain, complete confusion, and paralyzing sadness that have become your life's factory settings. You might just find a way to integrate your loss of experiences rather than binding them up and burying them, never to be found again, (laughs) except through your compulsive actions. You may just discover other ways of living, and through this ongoing process, you may even find healing. It happened for me, (laughs) at least in this moment. I can't speak for the next one. So thanks for joining this episode of The Healing Path. And yeah, we're chatting today about the dangers of not knowing what our kind of subliminal thoughts are as they relate to grieving and and mourning being somehow self-serving. That is ridiculous. And I think if anything, we tend to err on the other side of not grieving, not making time for healing, not kind of opening to what's there in terms of grief, because it's, you know, so painful. But I wrote that if you are denying your grief, you're denying your love. And I do believe that I believe the love and the pain to be two sides of the same coin. I just don't think you can have one without the other, necessarily, because you have to be able to be vulnerable to some extent to experience either joy or pain or love or loss. So we want to get really good, though, at looking at our assumptions and just challenging them. I feel so much compassion for anyone who feels that attending to your grief is somehow um, exclusionary or, you know, selfish. I just think if we've lost, let's just take that word. Actually, everyone just needs to take that word out of our vocabulary, as we already talked about. But there is nothing selfish about tending to our own needs, particularly during our grief. So I hope that this has given you something to think about. I wouldn't have made this post if I didn't know that there were so many people who felt this way. So if even one of you thinks about it differently, I'll be so happy. (laughs) And have a great Thanksgiving. And until we meet again, let's do our best to stay present, to stay grateful, and to stay healing. And as always, I thank you sincerely for listening.